0: All right. We are we've arrived now in late December. The World Cup is behind us. We're, from a soccer in Pittsburgh standpoint, we are starting to turn the page and look towards 2023. And uh, this is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now, uh, here on another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. And with me today is Jeff Garner. Jeff uh, you are n- relatively new to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. You're president at, uh, in uh, at Highmark Stadium. Uh, You're just telling me about how wonderful your view is, and I'm down in my basement <laughs> in a dungeon here. So at least the sun is shining. That's a good thing. Uh, but Jeff, it's great to have you on the podcast.
1: And John, thank you very much for having me. You know, as you point out, I am uh, I'm new to the soccer scene in Pittsburgh. Joining the club in August, coming over from Orange County Soccer Club, which uh, was until uh, about two months ago, the reigning USL championship winners. Uh, so that was a fantastic ride, but I really couldn't be more excited uh, on my first four or five months here in Pittsburgh. My wife and I met at Robert Morris. So uh, we're, you know, have spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh. I spent uh, some time in Altoona and State College. So certainly Western Pennsylvania is uh, has been a part of my life and Really excited to be here and be a part of the Riverhounds, Highmark Stadium, AHN Montour Junction, and and, uh, and our academy. So it's a great time to be in soccer in Pittsburgh.
0: And your wife is from Pittsburgh, where you just met at RMU.
1: She is dangerously from New Jersey, actually. Oh. Uh, I'm from York, Pennsylvania, and then we met met at Robert Morris. So it's uh, Pittsburgh's in our blood a little bit.
0: There's a lot of stories like that. For sure. I can tell you I've lived some of that myself. But yeah, no, it's exciting to have you here with us. And and just the, the Robert Morris connection is wonderful. And we, um, you know, when, when we got word that, you know, you were coming back and you were going to be, um, you know, coming from Orange County, uh, you know, there was definitely a certain level of excitement. Um, your predecessor is also a Robert Morris guy, you know, Vic uh, Gregovitz. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious as to, it felt like it, he had this short period of time, but he was able to start to do some things that maybe hadn't been done before and, and be involved in, especially in terms of getting out and developing partnerships in the business community. I think that's such a challenge um, always for when you're not, you know, Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, you know. Um, sure. So I, I, I'm sure that I just curious as to your thoughts in terms of the transition um i i thought oh i'm gonna get jeff on this podcast as soon as you became president i said you know what i want to give it a few months let's see how it's going and you really get your feedback uh now that you've had a chance to really see how things have been going so so from your perspective the transition and now into this role um after the season yeah what do you feel like what's your state of the union if you will
1: I, I appreciate you giving me a few months, uh, you know, coming in towards the middle of the season. Uh, you know, I was drinking from a fire hose there. Now I had been in the league for the past two years. So I was familiar with the USL uh, familiar with the internal struggle that happens. Uh, you know, there's, there's a group of traditionalists that are very focused on soccer, football as a sport and the traditions, which don't always uh, mix well with, fan experience and maybe more of the uh, uh, sort of fun, affordable family entertainment that I think Vic brought. And I I certainly bring in my background. So it's, uh, you know, I I think the first battle that we have is just re-educating people on the Riverhounds. We've got a very rich history, but we are a long way from playing at Fox Chapel High School, playing semi-professional soccer. The USL has absolutely exploded. Uh, over the past four or five years in particular, even though it's been around for 11 or 12, uh, I think soccer in the US is positioned to really take off. Uh, we all play when we're little. So we're all familiar with the game. Uh, we were talking previously that, you know, there there had been maybe a disconnect from as kids are growing up to as they become adults, that there wasn't a soccer product for them in the US. Uh, now with the MLS and the USL, there is a product in a lot of different markets uh, and USL League One League Two. So almost everywhere you can find some level of professional soccer now. And I think that's translated to a new enthusiasm for the game. Um, You mix that together with the excitement of the World Cup. We all just saw an unbelievable match. And so I think that helps to build excitement. Um, Women will play in Australia next summer. North America will host the World Cup in 2026. Philadelphia is one of the sites. Um, we're working closely with them to bring some some World Cup activation and programming to Pittsburgh as well. So I think you know once you start talking about all the things the Riverhounds have become, uh, what Highmark Stadium has to offer from a fan experience standpoint, the addition of H and Montour uh, from a training facility and a and a community destination, I think you start putting all those things together, excuse me, together, and it really starts to paint the picture of what the Riverhounds are today versus what they were. 10 years ago or 15 years ago um, and the growth that we've had. And so I think when you start to have those conversations in the business community, um, I think that translates to impressions. I think it translates to tourism dollars. It translates to uh, the ability to uh, partner at the community level. Um, We have much more, we're much more accessible and flexible as maybe some of our, you know, the, the bigger teams in the market I think they do their thing, and that's fantastic. I think we offer something completely different than what those teams do. Um, I don't think our direct competition is the Steelers. Um, I think we probably compete more with a night out at the movies um, than we do with what the, the Steelers do. And I think that's how we approach it. We're looking to provide a enjoyable and affordable family night out. Uh, for the diehard soccer fans, There's a, as we've talked about the USL, there's a, there's a great level of soccer here. People will enjoy it if you're a purist, but also if you're just coming to have a night out with the kids, um, you may not know what the score is at the end of the game, but you're going to have a great time. And so I think that's equally as important. And that's part of what I bring. You know, I don't have a really rich or deep soccer background. Uh, I've been in sports for a very long time, and I bring maybe a little bit of all those experiences here to Highmark Stadium to provide hopefully a well-rounded fan experience. So whether you're a soccer fan or maybe you're not, or maybe you're just becoming a soccer fan, we can offer a little bit of that to to everybody. So it's an exciting time to be able to offer those things to the market.
0: And you say, you said a number of times now, exciting time. And then you back it up because, you know, you get into this, you talk about activation and programming for the World Cup. That's in four years. Like, yeah, people want to know, like, what can Pittsburgh do? What can where can Pittsburgh be in terms of the World Cup picture, and even if it means hosting training sessions or you know whatever it is, um, we know that the spotlight will be uh, the world will be on U.S. and there, we saw yeah. we saw that the United States you know we have a better team now, but we also have a little bit more of an influence on the world stage and and so to be able to host it mm-hmm. uh, the. Trickle down effect to Pittsburgh is there. I mean, we've had players on this the women's stage, but obviously Megan Klingenberg, yeah. but we also have. You see the officials uh, in the final. You know, one of the officials went to Pitt and is you know has connections to Western Pennsylvania, and PA West, yeah. and yep. so there's just there's all these little connections, and I know there's a lot to get excited about, um, you know. But yeah, I just just there's just a lot of different angles that you're probably you- working. You
1: know, yeah, when you when uh, you constantly you look forward, mind, yeah, yeah, when you look forward to Philadelphia or, or just the World Cup in 26 in general, you know, you've got New York and Boston and Philadelphia all as host sites. But when you go out towards the West, really the only Midwest site is Kansas City. Um, and then you got some, some, a couple sites in Texas and a couple sites out West. So really, Ohio, Kentucky, I mean, all the way out to Kansas City. You know, those people will have to make the decision on do I go to Kansas City or do I go west? And then I have access to three or four different sites. Well, if you do that, if you're driving, which I think a lot will, you're driving through Pittsburgh. So the ability to create uh, activations and to create tourism and to bring people to Pittsburgh to show what soccer is becoming and has become in Pittsburgh. I think it's a great opportunity for us to showcase the city, to showcase soccer in the city, to work with Pitt and Robert Morris and all the local colleges, some of the local high school programs, and to give some of those kids exposure. Um, I think as a, as a base camp as they're called with a federation, you know, one of the national teams, I think with our facility at H at and Montour, we provide uh, a great opportunity. We have, you know, four years or a little under four years. And at that point, we will, will be fully built out on our fields, including some grass fields, which will be important for international play. So I think the timing's really coming together. And it really does. It, Pittsburgh's position, even geographically, is positioned really well to take advantage of all the excitement that will be around the World Cup when we get to 2026.
0: Happens Sorry to us all. One of the questions um, that my our group, Pittsburgh Soccer Now, you know, collectively we've talked about is how can Pittsburgh, how can USL Championship, how can the Riverhounds, how can you capitalize? It's a common question this, when this happens right after World Cup on yep. the momentum coming from a World Cup is what are some of the things that you maybe have been thinking about or doing?
1: Well, I I think it even started back during the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we hosted an event on Black Friday, which, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, we weren't sure exactly what to expect on on Black Friday. Um, It was the afternoon game against uh, England, and we had about 2,500 people here at the stadium to watch on the video board, and we had it on TVs, and I think we just had a really great, inclusive atmosphere. And so I think that starts to clue you in to the appetite for soccer, Um, I think our challenge is to stay relevant and interesting coming off of a world cup, but really for us every off season, until we return with training camp in February and get the season underway in March. Um, We just had a season ticket holder holiday party. I think uh, we've done a really good job so far. And actually our fans have done a really good job of creating a community within the river hounds, right? Whether you're in the steel army, you're part of the supporters group, or maybe you're just a season ticket holder there's a there, there's a community there that they enjoy coming together and being together, um, and so I think that's one part of it is to make sure we provide opportunities for that to happen. And and in you know this case last week, you know, providing the site, providing the stadium where they could come do it, and it was great for us too. You know, we start working. Geez, we we had our our planning retreat for 2023 in September. So we've been thinking about and working on 2023 for, for a few months already and sort of, you know, walking on parallel paths between the 2022 season and planning for next year. But in the offseason, it gives us a chance to sort of remind us why we're here and who we're here for. It's easy during the season because we have a game every couple of weeks and we get to see everybody and enjoy it. And you see all the hard work payoff. In the offseason, you know, it's it's a grind, right? And you're putting in all that work to make sure that the season's successful, but you don't get to see everybody as often. So I think, again, creating those opportunities for the family to come together, for the community to come together, I think that's great. I think our, our Riverhounds Development Academy does a good job, particularly in the off season. You know, one, it's a year round operation, um, but we we just held two college showcases, one for the boys, one for the girls earlier in December. Uh, we've got the holiday classic tournament, 3v3 and 7v7 coming up uh, next week. So there's uh, actually at the end of this week. So there's, I think there's opportunities for people to participate in soccer, see soccer, be around soccer, or talk soccer um, all the way through connected to the development Academy. And then before you know it, we're back into training camp uh, in February. I mean, we're putting the roster together. So every couple of days, you know, we have a new signing or we have, you know uh, we announce a new player who's back. So I think that gives everybody a chance to, to talk and come together and, give their opinions on, on what the team looks like and how it's coming together and, and the, the work that Bob and Dan are doing on that side. So I think there's plenty of opportunities to uh, showcase what the Riverhounds are doing and what the Development Academy is doing in the offseason. And the World Cup just gives it a little added sort of international context and flavor uh, and that what you just watched Argentina do – That's the type of experience we can have at Highmark Stadium or at H&Montour during some of our events. Um, You know, I think we're delivering a product on the field and our fans bring the atmosphere and deliver, deliver that product and deliver that community. And that's part of building something together.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I was thinking, you were talking about all the different pieces in play. You mentioned RDA, the River Riverlands Development Academy. You, you mentioned you have, you know, you have the pro team. Now you have the complex. You have the business side of Highmark Stadium at the business side of the new mm-hmm. complex. Uh, it's a lot of moving parts. And, and just maybe so are people who are listening, maybe learning about you and your role for the first time. I think sometimes, even in a, some of the most diehard River Hound fans I've t- spoken or connected with recently may have a misperception of your role as a okay. president of and what you oversee. And I know when I interviewed Vic, he, you know, he clarified that too and his predecessors. And, but just maybe for, for the record, just clarifying that, what your role is. Sure. sure.
1: I, I mean, the easiest, most simple way to explain it is I'm the business side, right? So I'm everything, but what happens between the lines. Between the lines, that's our head coach, Bob Lilly, uh, who obviously has a, uh, a ton of experience and a great record of success. Five years in the playoffs here in Pittsburgh, um, you know, a, a number of championships and, and great experiences uh, with Bob. So Bob handles the soccer side, who we're signing, um, you know, how we're playing, what our strategies are on the field. That is all Bob and Dan and, and the, the technical staff. And I help to work around everything else. So fan experience, marketing, tickets, partnerships, community involvement, um, coordinating with the Riverhounds Development Academy and some of our offerings on that side. Again, I don't get involved necessarily in the Goalkeeper Academy. I'm not out there trying to teach anybody how to be a goalkeeper, but I help to ensure that we have the right staff in place to be able to to provide that uh, that experience and that education and and, uh, sort of that, that teaching moment. Um, so, working with the academy group, uh, Scott Gibson does a great job uh, as the director of the academy, and, and our staff over there, H. N. Montour, same thing. You know, I'm working on sort of organizing the building and the events that are happening there. Um, when they actually step out on the field, you know, that's that's our our operations staff that's working on those things. So. Easiest way, I think, is again to define it. I'm outside the lines. Bob's inside the lines, and that's how we we split up our our duties. We certainly work very closely together. I mean, they do they do intersect. You know, I can't tell him what offense to run. I wouldn't know what I was talking about anyway. But if the if the you know the pro team needs something to make the players' experience better, then that's part of my role is to help facilitate um, travel for the players or accommodations or you know, something they may need moving into the area, what, whatever it may be. So I help outside of that. Um, and same thing. Bob certainly has been uh, great about uh, providing time with the pro team, with our players to do a community appearances. He understands how important that is for, for an organization and for our community and our fans. So he makes players very available. I mean, the great example of that is our post-game experience. If you haven't been to a Riverhounds game, I mean, I almost fell out of my chair the first time I saw it is, you know, we basically allow everyone to come down on the field after the game and you get to interact with players and get autographs and take pictures and kids get to talk and run around. And it's just a, you know, it's something that you probably can't do at some of the larger venues. It actually is really part of something that makes what we do very special and accessible. And Bob's great about making players available for that. So another example of uh, how those lines cross and blur a little bit.
0: Yeah, Bob has been getting better at uh, keeping the post game talks a little shorter. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> we've hey,
1: asked, we've asked,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sure that's always a work in progress. But uh, you know, I, I get it. I, I, I get. It. I've been a coach and I've been on the business side, so I. Sure. I uh, so yeah, I mean, just I still have like a, a million questions rolling around in my sure. head. But honestly, um, one of the things that I I wanted to ask you and talk to you about. Um, you know, was some of these other, you know, wish list type projects or things that people would love to see in Pittsburgh in terms of relating to soccer and the Riverhounds, whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. Has there been any discussion within the organization regarding a women's team, uh, second division? You know, type level. The sure. uh, USL obviously has the W League now, um, so there's some additional. There's a lot more happening on the women's side, and I I think this is, it's just something where people feel. I think a lot of people in our area believe that this could be something uh, that would be great. Absolutely, absolutely. I know there is certainly interest. Um,
1: Tuffy and I uh, have had the conversations. Uh, the academy. Scott and others uh, at that level in the academy, we've all had those conversations. The USL actually uh, offers the W League, which is semi-professional soccer, but also this year is launching the USL Super League, which is women's professional soccer, basically will be a division below the NWSL and will ultimately help to feed the NWSL. Um, You know... We've certainly talked about it, and I think we're getting closer to being in a position where we could support a women's team. Uh, on the girls' side of the academy, I, we're very proud of the success we've had on that side. There's a number of great stories uh, creating a pathway from the academy to not just Division I soccer, but college soccer at all levels. Um, we've had a young lady uh, out in San Diego uh, try out for the U15 national team, women's national team. We've got a player at North Carolina setting records as a freshman going to the championship game. So there's there's a number of great stories on the girls' side. I think we agree that there's a very bright future uh, for women's soccer in the U.S. Uh, the national team has proved that. Uh, our academy, quite frankly, is probably the women's side is probably a little bit ahead uh, and a little bit more accomplished so far than, than what the boys have done. And so I think we want to embrace that and capitalize on it. I I don't have an answer as far as how quickly we can make that happen, but it is certainly in the conversation we've looked at the business side of it and looked at uh, being able to offer a product like that um, to the market. I think there is some synergy with the staff that we have in place. So the great thing is we're not starting from scratch, right? Um, now that we have a training facility, it actually may open up some availability in the stadium. That was some of the issue is you know, uh, how available is the stadium, where can they practice? So that's starting to answer and help some of those questions. Um, and I, I that's something that we're looking at very closely and certainly considering in the next, say two to three years, probably.
0: That's, that would, that sounds very exciting. And I think that's some, a logical, you know, step forward and honestly uh, I don't the question is like in terms of competition and how do you work that in you know with the river you know with the with the men's team and I know Louisville's I think a pretty good model Uh, I think there's some other good USL team Mm -hmm. uh, franchises out there that are good models Um, and you've been involved in the league for over four years so I guess that's kind of a good segue to my next question and that is you know you spent that time in OC in the OC, in uh, and, and what a unique community that is uh, for sure. sure. Yep, lots um, of fun place. <laughs> uh, it just what what are the differences in, so far in your experience between what you experienced there and then being here in Riverhounds, and I'm sure there are there are pros and cons on both sides of it. Sure.
1: Well, you know, I think there's there's the market right, the, it, and I, I guess I'm speaking about the youth soccer market there. Uh, versus here. And then I think there's the, the pro team side, right? So I think on the pro team side, Orange County, although it has some history, certainly not as rich as what the Riverhounds have. Uh, they were one of the original USL members, but they had bounced around from stadium to stadium. They don't currently have a great stadium situation. So uh you know some may take for granted highmark stadium i certainly am not one of them i know how important it is to own your stadium and have some uh ownership of your stadium and what you can do with it we didn't have that in orange county uh i think the future is a little bit um darker there uh, as far as where they can progress to and where they can grow to um really when i got there the fan base was not um certainly wasn't large in size of numbers, passionate, the group that, that was there, it was just a very small number. And I think one of the things we focused on, it happened to coincide with success on the field, but one of the things we focused on was the fan experience. And so, which is difficult when you don't own the stadium and you're, you know, we were setting up on a Friday night, playing a game on a Saturday and tearing it all down afterwards. Sort of, there's only so much you can do there, but I think fans came, right. They had a great time. It built, Then, you know, we put together a team that was a little bit of a surprise, quite frankly, in in 21 that won the championship. And that really sort of set off the excitement. And, you know, through the first half of last year, we were setting attendance records and had a bunch of sellouts. And that continued after I left into the second part of the season. So I I feel like there's even more opportunity for that here in Pittsburgh. The The fan base has been building. Attendance has been growing year after year after year. Uh, we've got a great stadium, great facility, great fan experience. And so I think we can continue to build on those and we'll continue to see that growth happen. Um, and I think even on a larger scale than than what I saw in Orange County over the three years that I was there. I think on the, the youth side, um, I think Pittsburgh is honestly probably surprisingly more developed and further along than I thought it would be. I mean, the level of talent in Southern California is astonishing. I mean, it's just every 13 and 14 year old, you know, you walk by could be a a pro soccer player. Um, The, the youth leagues that are there, the club uh, is such a large business and such a large part of soccer. There Um, players are developing very quickly. You know, I think one of the great evening factors is Ahn Montour because they can play year-round in Orange County uh, and in San Diego. Uh, they are constantly out on the field. They're playing in tournaments. They're playing in Vegas. They're playing in Phoenix. Um, they are playing all year-round. You know, we've been had, have had harder, harsher conditions to try to do that. And now with an indoor field, we'll be able to do that as well. Um, so I think that helps, ha, helps to level the playing field a little bit. Um, I think with the investment that Tuffy has made in the academy and in our facilities. I think we will see Pittsburgh's level of athlete continue to increase. I think the training they get as young kids will produce better 13 year olds and those 13 year olds will produce better 16 year olds. I think the coaching uh, is continuing to get better. So again, I just go back to, it's the whole reason I came here and listen, I was a half a mile from the beach and we'd walk to the beach and palm trees and 72 every day, but I came back to Pittsburgh because I believe so much in how bright the future is for this organization for the academy and for what this can become, and so um, as as developed as the youth program is, there, I think again we have more upside and can ultimately end up further ahead than than even what Southern California has done.
0: Well, I think that's uh, I think a lot of people would be uh, here. I think we're that's just very reassuring uh, to hear something mm-hmm. like that, and based on your experiences, to to to, to hear that, um, because you know sometimes we don't know. We always think you always know, think. Sure. The, the grass is greener on the other side, and it may be, and you got a beautiful beach to look at too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're looking out the window right now at a stadium, and and you know you, you know our, Pittsburgh is such a unique city. Uh, it loves its winners, and I think that's something that Tuffy Tuffy uh, embraces. Tuffy. Um, personifies and you know that at the ahn complex i haven't even written about this yet because i've just been so busy with so many other things but i I really am trying to get around to this is the emotion that he that showed and it was a really good article written too about the art of persistence and Mm -hmm. you know and he would say what you want about tuppy but from my perspective like he is just determined to to make all of this um, successful and, and push for to make soccer have its place in this city. And so I guess my roundabout question is, uh, you know, wh- with his support and you know, where do you see all of this going? like it's just it's just good to have that, I guess, support uh, from yep. an owner and and, and commitment, isn't it's, it?
1: I, I think commitment is a great word. Um, And I think that's what really sort of sums up what he's done over the past few years. There is a a passion, uh, you know, which started with his kids and his kids playing, but has really grown to the entire market and really just planting a flag in Pittsburgh and saying this is going to be a soccer market. Pittsburgh is going to produce great uh, soccer players, both boys and girls. He's committed to it. He's passionate about it um, and he's made it happen. Um, And so persistence is is a part of that. Uh, I think Tuffy is a great business person and has made some really savvy and good decisions. He's got great relationships. And I think when you start to put all that together, you've already seen the fruit, right? You've already seen H&Montour. You've seen the Academy grow. You've seen Highmark Stadium expand and add different benefits and amenities. And you've seen the attendance grow. I think as you look forward, we've got more fields to build. Um, out at out at H and Montour, you know we we have three outdoor fields now, and the indoor field. I think we have another seven fields to build, um, so that we can host our own tournaments, sort of exclusively on site. There's 78 acres there, so there's room to expand even beyond the the original plan of ten fields and the and the indoor building. So there's some opportunities for other development there. Um, I think at Highmark we averaged 4,000 fans or nearly 4,000 fans a game last year. With a capacity just over 5,000, we have to start thinking about how does the stadium get bigger? Um, so we've got a very limited footprint. There's not a lot of room to grow. Um, there are conversations and have been conversations about expanding the stadium at, same, at some point. I don't think it's this year, but I think it's probably in the somewhat near future, less than five years. Um You know, can we wrap the stadium around? uh, uh, I guess that would be on the east side. Can we wrap that around? We wouldn't want to block the skyline, and we certainly have the river uh, on the north side, so we wouldn't be able to expand there. But where are there areas to expand? uh, uh, And what other upgrades can can we give to Highmark Stadium? And so I think we'll keep providing fan experience, keep improving that, you know, concessions, bathrooms, I think there's all kinds of opportunities that as we get bigger and as the stadium gets bigger and as we welcome more fans, we need to invest in that infrastructure as well. So that's all you know, part of the conversation. I think even this offseason, you may see some renovation to the club area, um, adding some additional seating up there and some additional experiences there, looking at the lighting system to be able to upgrade and add some things there. Um, so when you put all those pieces together, again, I you know sound like a broken record, but There's a very bright future because there is a path forward. Um, And those investments in infrastructure, those investments in the stadium and growing, um, that helps attract uh, more events. It helps attract international friendlies. It helps attract uh, more soccer events, college and high school. It helps uh, attract rugby events and lacrosse events. Uh, We have Pitt women's lacrosse plays in the spring, American football games you know, how many different ways, concerts, how many different ways can we use the stadium that infrastructure will help support all of that growth. Um, and so we want to remain a hub for soccer in Western Pennsylvania, but we also want to be able to expand and, and serve that role for some other we'll call them non-traditional sports like rugby and lacrosse at and Montour and at Hymar. And I think we're starting to do that and you'll start to, you'll, you'll see more of that as we, as we go forward.
0: Jeff, I, I, Just want to, again, thank you for your time today. I, you know, there's just, I have a million more questions probably (laughs) that I'll probably want to, I just have to hit you up anytime, send you a message and say, Hey, you know, what about this or what about that? But before we close out though, I guess, you know, are there any teasers heading into 2023? You talked about, you already had a retreat. you are probably in planning stages. I'm sure you probably like Bob, you probably have like a whiteboard somewhere where you're just kind of (laughs) mapping things out, but looking at it right now (laughs) the uh 2023 um fan experience is there anything that maybe you could tease us with
1: sure we we just got a draft of the schedule we expect to have the schedule out probably as much as we'd like to get out in december the lead usually will force us to, to to go a little bit later so we'll we'll be seeing that publicly probably in january early january um we have a little bit lighter schedule in the spring. Um, the weather in Pittsburgh sometimes it probably benefits us to play on the road early in the season. We have a very heavy summer schedule. So uh, I, I think we that's a benefit for us from a weather standpoint. And, you know, call it the summer of soccer. There's going to be a lot of soccer jammed into May, June, July, and August. Um, but we also realize that that could be challenging for fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have to come to three Saturdays in a row back to back to back, and you're gonna buy some drinks and you're gonna buy food and you're gonna pay for parking and you're gonna buy tickets. And that starts to add up. So I think you'll see um, the return of dollar beers uh, to select nights, not all nights, but to select nights. I think you'll see some of our Kids Fest events that went very well. They're probably our our best promotions last year. So that's inflatables and some live music and some interactive kids events, face painting, uh, balloon artists, things like that. Um, We're looking at some celebrity appearances. Uh, particularly uh, Pittsburgh-based and uh, Pittsburgh sports celebrities. Um, We're working on potentially some pyrotechnics or or fireworks that we may be able to get in somewhere during the season. Uh, It is 10 years of the stadium, of Highmark Stadium, and so we're going to celebrate that 10 years. And We're looking at some different – I don't want to give too much away uh, – some different ways to celebrate the stadium that fans can take home with them. Uh, and, ha- and have a little bit of history uh, with them, too. So we're very proud of that uh, and are excited to celebrate 10 years of the CM. So there will be something every night. There'll be a promotion happening every night. There'll be ticket deals. There'll be food deals. Uh, there'll be different kinds of entertainment, uh, lots of live music. And you'll see that something different every time you come.
0: Well, I'm, you're, you're getting me excited and I, I try to stay away from the, that part of it because I'm like, try to be like the soccer guy. And, and right. you know, <laughs> but no, it's, I think whatever you can do, uh, I think it's great. Uh, in terms of the scheduling, uh, that's fascinating. And we, you know, some of the diehards have a lot of fun with that. Oh, well, the schedule will never co- comes out in like the first week of February or, or joke around about that. But I think USL has definitely stepped up its game in recent years. And it's been kind of in line almost like once MLS is out, then USL schedule follows. I think you that's, know, that's really what all the you can battle.
1: The battle in the USL has typically been there's a handful of clubs that also have they play at minor league baseball stadiums and it's the same ownership. And so the issue is usually the baseball schedule, right. Because in those markets, baseball takes the priority. Um, I know most of us don't love, you know, playing at baseball stadiums. Um, however, it is great for the USL and continues to grow. And those organizations generally do a pretty good job. So, um, but I think that's typically what has held things up a little bit. Um, we would love to get the schedule out in December. I think all the clubs would, mm-hmm. Um but you're right, the USL has gotten much better and is pushing. The other thing about the USL is it's always changing. You know, it's growing. It's, it's, it's a, a, at a point where, um, you know, you could add a few teams. A few teams could go to a different division. We've had teams leave for the MLS. And so you have those changes constantly. And so that creates some issues too. But I think when you get to the schedule this year, you'll see a little bit different um, mix, particularly as we play cross-conference. And you'll see, so you'll see, you know, our fans not only will get our rivalries, the Tampas and the Louisville's and, you know, the Detroits and, and some of those games uh, from the Eastern Conference, but you actually get a good group of, I think, six Western Conference home games as well. Um, teams like Phoenix and Sacramento, San Diego will be coming in. So I think those are those are teams that our fans may not be as familiar with, but if you're familiar with the USL, it'd be great to, you know, to great to see those teams play and see how we stack up uh, against them.
0: One last schedule-related question. Yeah. Um, you're piquing my interest, so I got to. <laughs> um, so the Fourth of July game was a tradition for like eight straight years, and in the last few years, it's kind of dropped off. Is that back in play potentially, or, or where are you with that? I know that's usually a guaranteed sellout. Oh.
1: Yes, we uh, we have had that conversation with several fans. We've done a lot of uh, fan surveying and fan feedback, and so I, I we've certainly have heard those. I like think the way the schedule's lining up this season, it's doubtful we'll have a game on the fourth, which I think might be a Tuesday uh, next year. Um, the, the the league typically and largely for uh, television-based and media-based are Saturdays and Wednesdays. Right. Um, and so I, I don't think we'll be home on the fourth, but I think we'll do a similar type of event on the first, on the Saturday prior.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, I get it. You know, the television certainly can, can draw that. And some of that's
1: outside of our control also. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The other, um, the other thing, again, peaked my, just had me maybe think about this, just laying this down. I know people like to ask, Oh, uh, it was 10 years ago when the Hounds last played a a Wigan athletic uh, at Highmark stadium. That was an exciting night, obviously. Is there any chance of any sort of friendlies, yes. down the road? Is that something you've there's even been discussion in the back rooms about playing the European team or something like that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's been several conversations uh, with La Liga teams. Um, uh, uh, we've gone back to some of our former partners and had some conversations with them. Um, uh, Wrexham Rexham is coming over the the from the uh, FX series. Uh, Wrexham's coming over to play some MLS teams. There might be some opportunities there to be a part of that tour. So, the answer is yes. We are absolutely open and looking for opportunities to bring international teams over and play friendlies. I don't have anyone for you now today, but that is certainly something that we're pursuing. I'll tell you, our biggest challenge there, quite frankly, is is turf. International teams really don't like playing on turf. Um, it's they. It's not that they will will not but they prefer to play on natural grass. So that's one of the turf serves a lot of good purposes for us to, to be able to use the stadium, the way we use it. And for all the types of events, we use it for one of the downsides is it's less appealing to international teams. So we do have to overcome that, but we're certainly those conversations are happening and we'll continue to, uh, to look for opportunities to do that.
0: Well, that's, that's uh, good to know. And yes, it's a great point about the turf. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we, we, have seen that in the past has mm-hmm. come up with different for other uh situations and things of that nature. So right. Jeff again, thank you uh, for joining me. Uh, this has been very insightful. Uh, this time of year, it's just, we're ready to turn the page. We're excited about 2023 already uh, And the world cup final just ended and right, it just got finished in the college cup, but we're ready. We're ready for 2023. And I will say that we are working extremely
1: hard behind the scenes this off season, working on the fan experience for 23, Bob and his staff are working very hard on putting another, you know, five straight years in the playoffs, putting a six straight team, uh, together. I know that, you know, the, the, this past season ended, uh, it was a tough way to end the season in the second round of the playoffs. Make no mistake. Tuffy's, um, mission for all of us is to win a championship that's what, that's a part of the commitment and passion and investment he's made is to win a championship. I think Bob and Dan certainly have that as their primary mission as well. So uh, you will get our best effort on the field to win a championship and you'll get our best effort uh, on the fan experience side to make sure everybody has a great time watching the Riverhound. So we, I appreciate you having me on anytime I can come on, always happy to to talk Riverhound soccer.
0: Awesome. Thanks again, Jeff. And we'll be talking soon and in probably in 2023. Great. Well, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Jeff.